Hey, Cam. Yes, Don. You ever think about how crammed your trailer is when you go race? Dude, all the time. Race cars, golf carts, jets, power wheels, and all of his toys, his little dirt bikes, his strider bikes, all that stuff. I'm crammed. But I'm sure everybody in motorsports is feeling the same way. Well, now our audience has someone to call. They need to call Lance at lbtrailers.com. Lance is carrying over 70 motorsports haulers in stock options from top to bottom. We always talk about looking the part in motorsports, traveling up and down the road and at the track. Now you can look the part with LB Trailer Sales. Go to online to lbtrailers.com or stop by Facebook at LB Trailer Sales. You have a friend in the trailer business and make sure to tell them that racers and rental cars sink. Let's put it up for the weekend warriors. It's the Racers and Rental Cars Podcast with your host, Top Fuel Cam, Cameron Bray, and his co-host, Mr. Top Sportsman, Don O'Neill. Thank you for downloading today's episode of the Racers and Rental Cars podcast, brought to you in part by MotionRaceworks.com. Stop by Motion Raceworks for all your high-performance needs. If you need to go fast, visit MotionRaceworks.com today. What's up, West Coast Cam? What's happening? I'll tell you what's not happening, and that's sports, baby. There is not a (laughs) damn thing going on in this world right now. Unless you're a... uh What's that? The, the cornhole tournament guy. You can be a professional cornhole guy right now. Is that right? Because you got your social distancing at six feet? I guess. I don't know. It was on ESPN or something I saw. I don't know if it was a joke or what, but I heard there's like a championship for it. It's kind of silly, but no, 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 kind of cool no, at the no, same time. The, the best thing is, is the 2017 freaking spelling bee was on the damn ESPN the other day. <laughs> I'm not here. only not only was it a spelling bee, but it was the 2017 spelling bee. I like so, that. So all those kids, That's most can, excellent. All those kids can go back and misspelling those words again. Hey, somebody, somebody's got to get their English homework done. Watch the spelling bee on ESPN, dude. I'll have to assign that to my students. I, I mean, I would like to tell everybody that with my military background that this whole, you know, shelter in place things not bothering me. Dude, I'm not in the military anymore. I am ready. I am so freaking ready that I am getting ready to travel to one of the nation's hottest spots for the coronavirus this week. I'm going to drive through it yell and scream i might even roll my windows down and yell at people when i drive through it <laughs> i hope i hope you put on like some sort of hazard hazmat suit and a racers and rental car sticker on your back or something and hopefully you'll get on the news dude i'm gonna c- climb up in the in the overhang loft and i'm gonna dig out my nuclear biological chemical mask and i'm gonna put that mug on with the charcoal filter that's supposed to save my life for all nbc attacks and i'm gonna drive my tail right on through there yeah hey man everybody thought brendan fraser was crazy for digging a hole in his backyard and building some bomb shelter but i'm thinking about it dude you live in huntington beach you dig six inches you're in the ocean (laughs) yes this is also true Huh? This is also true. I'm just saying. So, hey, so let me go on and get all of this out of the way right now. First freaking seven minutes of the podcast. Again, if anybody tuned in last week and we had this discussion and everybody was keyed up and understands my frustration at the fact that you have absolutely nothing freaking better to do when it comes to taking care of our podcast program than you sitting in your garage taking instagram photos of you putting a freaking puzzle together hey man it's a good puzzle just saying hey and i did get a really good guest today so so there folks that's what you get folks i want you to understand if you've listened to all 70 episodes cam is actually using the phrase i got the guest Okay, and you can go back through all 70 episodes and I promise you that on one hand, you can be a one handed person. And that is how many times you're going to hear him say, I got the guest. There's no I in team, big dog. 
No, but there's a whole lot of me in that bitch. Let me tell you. There is. There is. <laughs> well, okay, you old bag of bones. Who did you go and dig up for this week? I went and uh, I went and dug deep on the interwebs of social media and in the you know since we're keeping up with the eye the eye racing uh, department, um, I thought it would be really cool to have the world famous Mark Rubillis, who is uh, a world renowned uh, photographer in his own right and motorsports photographer, but also like pretty much anything when it comes to NFL, NASCAR, drag racing, all that stuff. I honestly don't know how he goes to all the events. I'm, I'm going to, we're going to have to ask him here in a minute because, um, you know, I travel a lot and I'm pretty sure this guy owns Southwest by now. So um, let's ring him up. Well, hey, you shortchanged him a little bit. He's a storm chaser, dude. Oh, yes, he is also a storm chaser. And also one of the most interesting people on social media to to be friends with on Facebook. Oh, I mean, his whole deal is totally, you could call him Mr. Conspiracy. You, you, you get him and Brett Kepner going and they they can overturn the freaking apple cart on, on social media. <laughs> listen, listen to him right. chuckling. What's going on, Mark? What's up, boys? How are you guys doing? I, Still breathing. If I was any better, it'd only upset my ex-wife. <laughs> Good to hear. So, nice. so uh, yeah. how, how are you doing over there, buddy? Good. I'm just um, trying to stay busy when I have absolutely nothing going on. He's trying to stay hydrated after his after his big race he just had. We're, we, you know, it's, he's kind of famous, so he's got to schedule these appointments for, you know, podcasts and interviews and things like that in between his, his races on, on his uh, simulator. So we appreciate that. <laughs> well, do what I can. Do what you can. Well, Mark, we always let everybody start off with a 30 second elevator pitch and let our listeners know all about you and your background. So uh, I know you've never jumped out of the car, thrown your helmet in the air and uh, given your resume with the microphone standing in front of your face. So uh, have at it. Um, Mark Rabillis. I was born in New Jersey. It's a dirty little secret. I don't like to tell too many people. Um, <laughs> Spent most of my life in Arizona, joined the military when I was um, 21. I was stationed in San Diego, Seattle, and Pensacola, Florida. Got out, and I've been a motorsports and professional sports photographer ever since. That's how I pay my bills. How did that go? How did you go from the military? You just always loved photography, and how did you? what made you pick motorsports of instead of like weddings and i mean i'm sure you do stuff like that too but like <laughs> what what made you just say yep i'm gonna be a drag racing photographer was there a void or you just said well i, I love my dad my dad did a lot of um drag racing photography so okay. I, would, I would spend my summers in new jersey going to english town and atco all the time and sit oh, in the sweet. grandstand for the camera while he was on the starting line so i'm nice. a student of the sport i've been around it for a while the the biggest break I took from the sport was my um, four and a half years in the military. But okay. now I'm back. Sweet. No wonder why you and Don have so much in common. I'm starting to figure it out now. <laughs> well, Mark, tell everybody. So it's funny that you said you joined the military and then you rattled off your three uh, duty assignments. Just for all those out there that didn't catch on, Mark was in the Navy. So what did you do in the Navy, Mark? When I went in, I went in without a job. So that was called undesignated and they just assigned you wherever. And I ended up changing oil on airplanes in um, San Diego. I was nice aviation squadron. So I would change oil, wash the airplanes and just do all the crap work. But I, for, I was fortunate I was able to get out of that within um, probably six, eight months of my first duty station. And I got into the photography school. And from there, I just started kicking some ass. Nice. Well, hold on. Wait. So where was where's photojournalism school for the Navy? It's in uh, Fort Meade, Maryland. Okay. So, yeah, I thought I thought that was a joint service for the all all the branches went to Fort Meade. Yep. Okay. Correct. All right. That's been a lot of time. Right. There. Damn, you've been all over the map. Yeah, I've definitely crazy, seen crazy. the country and a lot of the world too. 
Nice. What's the furthest? What's the furthest photography's taken you? I've done Olympics in China, Olympics in London, World Cup in Brazil, and then when I was in the Navy, we went to Japan, Malaysia. Damn. And That's Australia. Cool. So now, for those that don't that don't know, you know, obviously everybody loves their motorsports photographers at their local track or wherever it may be. But a lot, obviously you're not the guy at the racetrack sitting there with the table, selling your photos um, at the track. How does one become a professional photographer? Is it just as hard as trying to drive a professional race car? (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I would would actually say it is because, and and on some levels it's probably even um, <laughs> because uh, with racing you gotta usually bring in some money or something to get involved with photography you just buy some crappy camera and you start offering to, to give track promoters pictures for free and next thing you know you're on the starting line because people there love you go. hell yeah absolutely that's cool it's like drag sh- shooting pictures of race cars. It's like taking pictures of girls in bikinis. Yeah, every photographer would like to do it, but because every photographer would like to do it, you can't make money doing it. So it's very hard to make a living in motorsports photography just because so many people are willing to do it for nothing. Right. And I will say, if anybody hasn't seen Mark's photos, they are literally like night and day when it comes to a guy standing on the starting line with a camera versus what he, what he does. I'm not trying to toot his own horn there, but... I'm telling you, like his his pictures are phenomenal. Whether it's it's a, a burnout shot or whatever, you're just like, wow, like that is sick. Like, and he he likes to do different things instead of just your typical three quarter shot, <laughs> right about the Christmas tree that everyone has probably hanging on their wall right now. So, yeah, I try and avoid those shots. Um, yeah. With how with doing it full time now, it's I would kill myself if I was just having to shoot the same thing race in race out because drag racing is already hard enough of a sport to be creative with because same distance every track straight line so it's all about just trying to find any kind of variations at different tracks that offer you a different uh camera angle that makes for unique looking pictures like at phoenix they had the bridge until they fucking um condemned it this year that was like the most unique shot in drag racing. It's the only place you could get a true head on view. And then you got tracks like, uh, Bristol, the big Hill is an awesome place to shoot. So it's all, it's, it's all about trying to find different angles. And I'm happy when I'm getting unique stuff that everybody else doesn't get. That's cool. cool. All right. So let's talk about the fact that you, that you brought up all these different locations around the world that you've went to. Now you are truly a, freelance photographer correct yep okay so i I have a few contracts with um different race teams and sponsors and i do work for usa today but i'm a 1099 person i am i don't have benefits none of that kind of stuff i have the ability to say no to work if i want to so that's one of the cool things about working for yourself well now how does that let's talk about all right. Well, maybe you answered it then already. So how long have you worked for USA Today? I started working with a sports agency. It was it used to be called US Press Wire back in 2005 when I was still in the Navy in Seattle. But um, since then, they've got, they got bought by USA Today like five or six years ago. So through both companies, I've been with them for um, 15 years now. Okay, so you go, so now, do they pick and shoot, like, they'll send you and say, hey, Mark, we need a photographer to go to Virginia Beach and shoot a volleyball tournament, and you go, yay or nay? It's not really like that, um, because USA Today, they do have a network of photographers all over the country now, so I have first rights to all the sporting events here in Phoenix, and then when I'm a, they consider me, like, an expert in motorsports, so, like, um, Daytona 500, Indy 500, NASCAR championship. They always have me cover those events. And then they also, um, like my football photography. So I do a ton of NFL stuff, especially playoffs. And I've done the last 12 Super Bowls. So that's been pretty damn cool. That's badass. So, so you get a, what you would consider a consistent workflow, right? Oh, yeah, because especially living in Phoenix, like you have all four pro sports and even in like the wintertime, you have a bunch of bowl games here. It's it's a sports destination because of the weather and all the hotel infrastructure. So I can stay as busy as I want out here doing sports. 
Okay. I get it. <laughs> that's where I was going. Okay. So now we don't have any sports and you're a photographer. Is, is USA Today calling you up and saying, hey, do you want to go shoot a press conference for the governor of the state of Arizona for <laughs> the coronavirus? Or, I mean... Well, because unfortunately, USA Today is owned by a company called Gannett, and Gannett also owns the newspaper here in Phoenix, the Arizona Republic. So they get all their news stuff from their photographers that they're already paying a salary. So I kind of get screwed on that. They've, they've asked me they've asked me to pitch them ideas of shoots and stuff but individual shoots like that are very low paying and I really so it's too much to, like work for no money <laughs> yeah I just want to like at least when I'm shooting sports like I'm having fun and I'm getting images that like have yeah, you're at the damn Super Bowl <laughs> yeah but you know like doing those events like the Super Bowl really doesn't pay that much money but for what it is it's still great and I own all my yeah. images that's that's what's most important to me heck yeah that's rad okay because I mean I have seen your photos on in some pretty interesting publications and locations when you you know you're you're doing your uh, what do you call them when you do your picture blogs your best of at the end of at the end of every year, those are always interesting to see where your photos end up at, and they're not always ending up in USA Today. Yeah, I should have. I left out that USA Today also has a sports wire service, which basically is all the sporting events that we're shooting for USA Today's company. They go onto the wire, and um, they have subscribers. Like basically, every sports website and new, and magazine subscribes to USA Today or they're a client. So they'll go on there and they'll find images that they want, download them. And then it's a 50, 50 split between the photographer and um, USA today. Cool. So yeah, it's, it's all little revenue streams, but um, websites don't really pay that much for pictures these days because they're so, they're changing pictures so many times a day. They'd go broke if they were paying 50 bucks a picture. So it's, it's not, it's not a real moneymaker. Like NH, the drag racing is an easy 75% of my income. Cause I have commercial clients out there. So okay. it's worth just for fun. All right. Sweet. So, so let's go with that. And let's talk about drag racing. Give me your two favorite tracks to shoot at and give me your two worst tracks to shoot at. Um, I, I guess we could start with the worst ones and, they're not they may not necessarily be worse. They're just ones I don't go to, and that's um, Norwalk and Seattle. Like really? I haven't I haven't been to Norwalk since 1991, an IHRA race. What? Because no, I, wow. I do when I I do 24 race series, so I got to skip a couple races here and there. <laughs> so um, Norwalk's always been one because it's just a pain in the ass. Um, it's it's away from the airport. Traffic <laughs> sucks. I hear cell signal sucks, and it's usually super hot. Well, you got it. You got them all, buddy. <laughs> it's a long way from Cleveland. It's not a long way from Cleveland. It's ninety miles from Cleveland Airport. It cell signal yeah, does not- suck, <laughs> hey, and it is a, always hey, for, hot. For those people that have to Uber, like you know, Mark and I, that's a long, that's a long Uber ride. Okay, Mark, <laughs> ice cream is a dollar, my friend. A dollar. <laughs> Cause you can't, you can't even go to a strip club for a dollar anymore. You can get ice cream for a dollar at Norwalk. <laughs> ice cream and my stomach don't go together too well so i gotta oh, keep that so oh man yeah, I, hear, I, I hear you there too yeah i'm allergic to ice cream don so what, what now yeah well <laughs> hey it's still a pretty cool track to go to no they're cool it, it is a cool track it's cool all right well yeah. so the, so that's the two that you that you don't go to so what's what's your two favorites so i'm gonna go with phoenix and bristol since you brought those up earlier uh, Phoenix used to be my favorite because of the bridge, but now without the bridge, like I really don't even want to go there anymore. It's, it's a pretty old facility. We'll leave it at that. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I really like Pomona just because the history of that track and it's got really good light. So that, that's definitely a favorite of mine. I like, just like you, Cameron, I grew up out there. i used to be in the grandstands as a kid for like every winter nationals and finals for several years. And so yep. on is a track. that's very special to me. Heck yeah. I'm trying to yeah. think of other tracks that I really like. 
I actually like um, Topeka a lot because um, it's so spread out and I can just drive my car from the media center to finish line to the staging lanes at the starting line. And then I can sometimes storm chase there. So that's pretty cool. <laughs> All in the same day. Yeah. All right. Well, let's, we're going to, we're going to get to the storm chasing, but let's talk about NASCAR. And then I want to go, I want to go into other sporting venues. Let's talk about your favorite NASCAR tracks to shoot at. I'm all about Daytona and Talladega restrictor play races. That's my thing. So, okay. So obviously the big one always happens at those two, at those two facilities, uh, and, and we've seen, uh, and, and folks, if you have not seen Mark's galleries, you need to, you know, go try to like his page or follow him on Facebook. He, he has some great posts. So obviously the big one happens at those tracks, but when it comes to the, to the action and amount of action, wouldn't you think that a Bristol or a Richmond would, would provide you just as much great? Uh, photo ops as going to Daytona or Talladega or is there something about the size of the track that that restricts you on the photo opportunities it's uh, honestly like the, the smaller tracks like Bristol and Richmond I've shot races at both of those tracks as well it's just like it's a different kind of crash you're not going to get one of those crazy crashes that everybody's talking about for the next month you're going to get somebody getting spun out into the wall and then maybe a fight I've actually never done a good racing fight before, but um, yeah, NASCAR usually those two tracks for NASCAR. Glad to hear that. <laughs> uh, kind of, the draw, the draw for Daytona and Talladega is that's they're going fast enough where the cars can go airborne, and that's what really makes for some wild ass pictures. So, but it can be shit. Like I, when I left Day, the Daytona 500 a couple months ago. I left shaken thinking I had just shot somebody dying. So, but fortunately Ryan Newman was okay. And those cars are, it's crazy how safe they've made those cars. What I think is bizarre about, you know, not only you, but you know, most good photographers, it's like you always seem to get the shot and that that's insane to me. So like when you're at a NASCAR event or like obviously the drag race, you have a little bit of a break, but like when you're at a NASCAR event shooting, are you just like, on the trigger the whole time, just hoping you get something or, I mean, do you have something that just intuition, like just something that sparks you? Oh, this is something's going to happen. Or like, you, I mean, how you, do you, you learn what to look for? Like, yeah. um, at Daytona and Talladega, when they're running three, four wide, that's when you, you can, you can see when stuff starts is going to start developing. Right. The stuff where it's really hard is it like Indy car races. Cause like I do the Indy 500 every year and it's crazy how fast those cars are going around a turn. And uh, they can just crash by themselves out of nowhere because they're just so on the edge. Right. So that's, that's a hard thing. I always have a radio headset on for everything I shoot, even like drag racing. I'm sure you guys see me out there with the headset. And I am always have like the PA on so I can hear what's going on. And with drag racing, you, you have a 50% chance of being on the right car if something's happening. But with stuff like IndyCar and NASCAR, that's where you got to have your head on a swivel and really be looking all around to see what's going on. So when when Daytona happened, uh, you you did post a couple photos. I uh, obviously it was weeks after. How where were you at in relationship? Because let's see. So I'm trying to remember. Ryan ended up when he came across the uh, start finish line. He ended up basically at the end of pit road, going into I'm going to say the the beginning of the corner of turn one. Where were right. you in rela- in relationship to where that actually started? Because it, if I'm not mistaken, on TV it looked like it started coming into or coming out of turn four into the front stretch. Yeah, it was a couple. It was probably about 400 yards before the finish line is when it happened. And it sucks because I have a really big lens I'm using up there. I'm on the roof of the trioval looking straight down on the start finish line from like 11 or 12 stories up. Okay. So I have a hell of a view, but wow. uh, when you're up there on a, on a two and a half mile track, you got to have a real big lens for when stuff's far away. But then the, where you get screwed is when it happens right in front of you. So there's like a, <laughs> there's like a 2% area of the track where I'm caught with my pants down when a crash happens. And that was kind of the situation with that. And uh, so I was in the process of switching from my big camera to my 
wider angle camera because that was the last lap and I was going to get a picture of the winner taking the checkered flag. But anytime I see a car upside down, I don't care about anything else. I'm following that car. So I shot the whole thing and the scene looked very grim. I've, I've seen some um, fatalities before and the way everybody was acting, I would have bet all my money that he was dead. It was crazy. That's wild. So how, so how quickly let, let, let's talk about that from that standpoint. So how quickly were you downloading your camera and looking at photos after, after that incident that night? I mean, cause well, you're, well, you're I, not, you're not typically was, a stick around guy. You typically finish an event and you're gone. Yeah. When I'm doing an event like that for USA today though, I have, I'm on deadline. So I have to make sure I get images sent out. So even, so I shot that crash, but then even as rescue was working on pulling on getting to him and stuff, I had to focus on the um, victory lane and cover that because I have an angle from up high. I'm, I'll be the first person for USA today to get the picture out because everybody else has to go from winter circle and run back to the media room. I'm on the roof with my laptop set up right next to me. So I'm shooting, I shoot the winter circle, him climbing out of the car and celebrating. And then but the whole time I'll keep going back and looking and seeing what's going on with Newman, but working for USA today, I had to send even the Newman stuff. I may not have posted it on my own social media for a while, but I had to send it to USA today right away. Like they're paying me to cover the stuff. It's not my, I don't make the decision on what I send. So I, uh, I had all those images off to them. And then um, by the time I got out of the track, it was probably less than an hour after the race. And then I hauled ass to my hotel in Orlando and finished up my edit and just kept listening to the press conferences, waiting to hear some news. That brings up. Yeah. Hold on. That brings up uh, something. I I guess I, it's probably ignorant of me to never have thought about this. So you shoot the photos, you then send them to an individual or a database and you know, at this point, your client USA Today. At what point does that responsibility of posting those or using those photos? Who who does that decision making process fall under? Is that a relationship between NASCAR Communications and USA Today Communications? Or I mean, can you elaborate on that? Well, um, they, the organizations, they can't tell you not to publish something like with media that, that it doesn't work that way. They can threaten you and scare you and all that. Now, I'm in a unique situation because with NHRA, I'm also working for teams and sponsors. So that that creates a bit of a of a um, issue for me in the event of like if it's a client of mine that has a bad crash. I have to be very sensitive of that kind of a situation, but I'm also the kind of person I would never post a picture or send a picture to USA Today of a body, something like gruesome or anything like that. It, it's it's a very touchy situation, and I'm glad that in my 10 years of doing NHRA full-time now that I've only had like one, one situation like that. Okay, well, do tell. I like how you keep opening up the the boxes for me here. I, I, I don't even have to refer to my notepad over here for the questions I had. Let's let, shit. Let's go. Uh, what? Tell me. Tell me what the worst crash that you photoed for uh, NHRA. It well, um, yeah. I guess it would be the. It was in 2010 when Antron Brown's tire came off and went into the crowd and killed a lady. Like I, that was, that was actually before I was working for Toyota who Antron drives for, but, um, like within 10 minutes of that crash, I was down on the bridge, uh, NHRA media person was down trying to take my memory card and I told them no. And so I showed them what I had and they saw that I didn't have anything that was like gruesome and they, and that was that, but wow, when, that's when crazy. I'm, Isn't, when I'm working it, for a news organization, no, like racing racing people like nhra and stuff like they'd like to only show the good stuff but that's just not how news works you got to take the bad good that's why i wanted to have mark on because isn't it crazy to like to think that this is the other side of it right so there's always somebody trying to cover everything up and everything's cool it's fine blah 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 but like guys like mark dude they get to see like all this shit 
and they have the power kind of to be like, mm, yeah, I'm going to post this or, you know, I'm going to send this. <laughs> and it's like, it just happens like that. Like you said, like within like, 45 minutes of something happening, like it's all over the media. Like that, it's, that's pretty cool. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a crazy world these days with digital cameras and computers, yeah. how fast you can get stuff out. Okay, nice. so that's your gruesome. What's your most exciting photo that you've taken for NHRA? Most exciting? It would have to be a crash then when you say exciting like that. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's, that's, like, he's like, define exciting. <laughs> the Terry McMillan explosion and crash at um, Houston in 2016, that was pretty crazy. There was just a huge, massive fireball, and then it blew out both rear tires, and he crashed into the wall right where I was at. I had to dive into the mud. And then a couple days later, next time I saw him, he came up to me, and he's like, dude, I saw you. I saw my car coming at you, and then you dive. No way. (laughs) He's in the middle of crashing, and he notices me. (laughs) He's like, hey, Mark. It all slows down. Yeah, Yeah, no, it's crazy. like... um, after being in the military and working on the flight deck of an aircraft carrier, it's hard to replicate that kind of a thrill and high, but being, doing what I do with NHRA is pretty damn close to that. It's, it's exhilarating. There's a little danger involved, but, um, experience helps and it's, it's in my blood. That's awesome. Thank you for downloading today's episode of racers and rental cars podcast brought to you by MotionRaceworks.com. Stop by MotionRaceworks.com for all of your high-performance needs. If you need to go fast, MotionRaceworks.com. Hey, Cam. Yes, Don. Do you ever think about how crammed your trailer is when you go race? Dude, all the time. Race cars, golf carts, jets, power wheels, and all of his toys, his little dirt bikes, his strider bikes, all that stuff. I'm crammed. But I'm sure everybody in motorsports is feeling the same way. Well, now our audience has someone to call. I need to call Lance at lbtrailers.com. Lance is carrying over 70 motorsports haulers in stock options from top to bottom. We always talk about looking the part in motorsports, traveling up and down the road and at the track. Now you can look the part with LB Trailer Sales. Go to online to lbtrailers.com or stop by Facebook at LB Trailer Sales. You have a friend in the trailer business and make sure to tell them that Racers and Rental Cars sent you. So, have you photographed a blowover? Yeah, I've photographed more than almost than most people probably. I photographed two in the nineties in um, two weeks apart. Nineteen ninety one, Gary Ormsby in Phoenix testing, and then uh, Russ Collins in Pomona. Nice. Oh, wow. then, I forgot about Russ Collins. I was graduating high school. <laughs> yeah, no, that was a that was a good one. Um. And then I shot Randy Parks' top field blowover in Phoenix in 2000, maybe 99. And then a couple, uh, two years ago in Topeka, Steve Collier's alcohol blowover. I, I oh, thought, yeah. I, th- I, thought, I thought that you fo- that you photographed Steve's deal. I thought you did. And that was crazy. I was in the staging lanes shooting driver pictures like five minutes before that crash, but because it's so easy to to get around there, I got in my car and I went to the top end. I didn't, I wasn't even going down there to shoot alcohol. I just wanted to check the track conditions for photography to see if it was going to be good. Cause when you're as far down the track as I am past the finish line, heat waves are a big concern and heat waves look like shit when with photos in video, it looks cool. It looks like waves going across in photo. It looks like pictures. Yeah. Yeah. So I went down there just to check and see what the conditions were like. And the conditions were good. <laughs> yeah. God, I remember. I've shot countless boat blowovers. So I used to do a lot of drag boat and unlimited hydroplane races with my dad. So blowovers have always intrigued me. It's such a crazy looking incident. Absolutely. That's crazy. All right. So let's talk about other sports. So. Right. I, I mean, for me, your most famous is Bill Belichick. I can't stand Bill Belichick, and I still think that's funny. But so I want to hear. I want to hear from you what your most, and it cannot be the locker room photos 
that you do for the baseball teams during spring training, which how you turn a freaking locker room bathroom into a professional studio to shoot player photos is beyond me, but you do a really good job of it. So I don't want to hear about those. I want to hear about what your most famous encounter is with us athlete outside of motorsports. It would probably have to be the Belichick deal. It's not often that you get shoved by the greatest <laughs> NFL coach in history. The fucking asshole missed the last play, the last play of the game. Cause he was chasing after me. Tom Brady's pulling down and he's running after me. Like I, it's gotta be the first time in NFL history that the winning head coach attacked the photographer. <laughs> I, I want to know, does Bill send you a Christmas card each year? No, he has no idea who I am. Oh, God. <laughs> but I don't know. Maybe he does. He seems to always target me. He doesn't like me. Dude, you <laughs> so... I have you, one of those faces, maybe. I don't know. You need so need to put that photo, autograph it, hugs and kisses, Mark, and send it to Bill. <laughs> <laughs> I was so worried I was going to get in trouble, too. and Because, like, within minutes, every other photographer at the Super Bowl, and I know most of them, they're like, was that you that just got attacked by Belichick? And, and I got some great pictures out of it, that's for sure. Well, is that, so that, that's your famous moment? That's gotta be one. That's gotta be, yeah. For it's a pretty good one. Like if you go, like if someone's like tell tell somebody a story that nobody else could tell, like that's gotta be pretty damn high up there. I mean, dude, getting shoved by Bill Belichick. I mean, dude, like, um, on the sidelines of the Super Bowl, like it's it's why not he's like winning. Some, yeah, <laughs> yeah, he just won the last Super Bowl of his life. <laughs> oh, oh, we say that now, don't okay. we? We say that now, don't we? No, and like he honestly got in my head after that. Like, like if I would, I haven't shot him since. But if I would have had to deal with him at another Super Bowl, I would have. It would have affected how I reacted. I would have been more timid, and that would have sucked. So I'm glad Tom Brady and everybody left. <laughs> You're just happy because the weather will be nice in Tampa. <laughs> Well, I plan to go. Um, they they have a game in Las Vegas. The schedule's not out yet, and who knows if we'll even have football. But I'm going to try my hardest to get him in a um, Buccaneers uniform this season because I have him, all these pictures of him in his career in a uh, Patriots uniform, and I'd be pissed if I didn't get him in that Bucks uniform. Nice. Well, that that's a good segue into you know that we've actually been talking for quite a long time already. Um, but uh, my final question to you is: since I had mentioned that you know Mark has all these these uh, revelations that uh, he comes up with, what is your your take and your personal opinion? Now, nobody will take this to heart when we will get when we will get back to action. I've kept hearing that like NHRA absolutely would not race without fans. And I, cause I think it's going to be s- several months before we have fans in the stands at an NHRA national event. That's I heard just, that too. And, but now I've recently, I heard some rumors that NHRA is looking at maybe doing a couple races without fans and they're possibly doing, looking at midweek race, which really surprised me, but that's all stuff that I think the sport needs to be looking at. Like after, oh. even before this deal, we were, on the verge of at some races we should have been having eight car fields and i feel that's oh, yeah. happen after after this because economically a lot of people even if the country opens up tomorrow a lot of people aren't going to recover in some industries so i think the sports landscape could look different moving forward so i think they absolutely need to be looking at um two-day shows midweek stuff like try different stuff this season's kind of like yeah, now is your chance. That's what we were talking about the other day. Like, if you're going to try something, now would be the time. I really hope the two-day thing, uh, in my opinion, I really hope that is a good thing. It turns out because, you know, let's be honest, a lot of the people that that are out in the NHRA world, they also have businesses and jobs and things like that, and as do I. So it's it'll make it a lot easier on me and time, time-wise <laughs> to have an extra day to travel. Yeah, I think the only people that really want want races to stay three days are the track owners and NHRA, like because yeah. most races they they're still making a profit on Fridays. Mm-hmm. But I just think in this day and age, with sixteen, seventeen car fields being the norm, do we really need four qualifying sessions? No, no. 
Uh, yeah, I agree. But, so, um, but back to the whole thing. I, I've said since the beginning my prediction was NHRA returning in Brainerd. And that's a long-ass way out, but if, but that was if they only raced with fans. But without fans, who knows how quick we could be back, hopefully fast, because I'm not yeah, making I just fans. don't know if they can do it without fans. <clears throat> yeah, no. No, they would have to be doing it as like a goodwill thing to be helping the teams who have sponsors and stuff because NHRA would definitely take a bath on the deal. Absolutely. But uh, you have all these other organizations that are going to be back racing. Like we've already gotten our ass kicked in NHRA by not having a race, a video game. All these other people are capitalizing on a game, staying relevant, and NHRA has nothing like that. So we're already behind on that. We don't want to be behind when everybody else is racing except for us. Yeah, that's going to be tough. I actually was having a conversation the other day with, with an executive and he was, I was, we were talking about a, a conference call and he said, you know, it's funny that you guys are supposed, you know, you guys are like the kings of speed, you know, that's what NHRA taunts themselves with the top fuel cars, 330 miles an hour. He goes, however, you, have a horrible TV contract. He goes, and you don't have a, a, a sim game. He goes, now we may not be the fastest. He goes, but we have a sim game. He goes, and we still, what? They still had like a 1.3 or something like that. 1.3 million people watched on Fox for a sim race or something, you know, for iRacing the other day. He goes, he goes, how can you continue to function and not move forward? He goes, you're basically a stagnant motorsports at this moment. He goes, matter of fact, he goes, you guys in, he goes, you guys in F1 are about the same. And I started laughing, but at the same time, he's, he's pretty much spot on. Yeah, no, that's an unsustainable sport. Like it's a boys club, rich people. Well, so I don't know, like, what is the right answer? I mean, obviously, the state of Florida is the governor's already said, hey, go ahead, come back. NASCAR, come back. Uh, Obviously, North Carolina, you know, the governor's been getting petitioned for like the last two and a half, three weeks uh, of running on an event at Charlotte. Um, But again, I don't know. I don't know how we can run national events without fans just based on the TV time, I, I the business, the metrics of it is what kind of baffles me a little bit on how we can, you know, derive the numbers, if you will, the boardroom numbers to come up with. Um, I, I just don't know. It, it's a struggle. Uh, I'm for the whole midweek shows and I, I've, you know, we've all talked about resets and so forth. I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with us going back to some, you know, Chicago style, you know, match racing type setups, if you will, to to be able to give back and build the communities back up in the local and regional racetracks. Because I don't think you're going to get 40,000 people that's going to pile into Summit Motorsports Park in the middle of yeah, June. Yeah, it doesn't matter if owner opens it up like people are a lot of people aren't going to be down with that nope heck no that people don't want to go to the grocery store let alone go sit with 40,000 other people coughing and sneezing on them and if I have one more person in the grocery store tell me I'm going the wrong way down a freaking aisle I'm like are you kidding me lady I I, I, you would be that guy Don you would be that guy I've been in a grocery store in a month it's been great (laughs) you haven't been I panic shopping when this all went down. I did three trips. I never go grocery shopping. I eat every meal out. So, uh, but I got like, uh, I got like three weeks worth of food, but I'm like, I'm not going to use it until I need to. So I've still been getting to go meals everywhere. There you go. I, I was going to say, I was going to say, Sprite, so it's good stuff. I was going to say, who's cooking over there? You, you or the wife? No, my wife, she's a great cook, but, um, I just like, I have a routine and I'm always, we always go out for meals and I usually have my laptop with me editing sports pictures. Right. And I found during the whole pandemic, like it, I, I can't edit pictures sitting at home. It's too boring. I want to be sitting at a sports bar, having a drink, watching live sports. 
So that's been kind of shitty. <laughs> but our, we might be opening some stuff up next month. We'll see. Arizona hasn't been hit too terribly hard so far. Yeah. Hopefully it all it all turn around. But yeah. we greatly appreciate you uh, coming on the show and uh, getting to talk a little inner and outer of uh, the photography world. This is uh, it's been really cool to see the here, or, well, uh, yeah. not necessarily see, but hear the guy behind the lens. So, <laughs> well, hold, good stuff, guys. Well, hold on, Mark. You got to tell everybody where do where do our listeners? Because you know, I want more people to see. And be involved in the conversations and conspiracy theories and see the <laughs> great photography work and storm tracking that you do across all the major sporting events. Where, where does everyone go and follow uh, Mark at? Um, on, uh, on Instagram and Twitter, at Rabilis Photo. I'm pretty much, Instagram's where I post most of my stuff, but ever since this whole pandemic's been going on, I haven't been taking pictures and I've, I've been too lazy to post old stuff. But um, my Instagram is usually where it's at. And then um, Facebook, just search Mark Rabillis or Mark Rabillis Photography. Send me a friend request. And um, you can, to see some of my pictures, you can go to nhrafotos.com. There you go. And nice. for any of you out there that are looking to uh, sign a photographer to provide you photos for your race team, as you're in and out and about the NHRA world, make sure that you look up Mark. But I'm pretty sure if you're in the NHRA world, you know who Mark is. And if you don't, I'm going to venture to say that you've probably been living under a rock. And uh, this coronavirus <laughs> didn't do anything except help you. Nonetheless, <laughs> Mark, Mark, my friend, veteran to veteran, always a pleasure. Thank you for coming on the yeah, show. Uh, get back to iRacing. I'm, I'll be looking forward to some new crashes in my uh, social media feed soon. Uh, you got it, buddy. <laughs> uh, hey, stay safe, Mark. Talk soon. Uh, thanks, thanks Cameron. See you guys. Later. Take care. Later. Cam, I always enjoy it. Mark's good. He, I mean, he is. He cracks me up sometimes. He'll send. He'll send messages or I'll comment. And he's got. You know, the one thing we didn't talk about was his hashtag. He is a hashtag master when it comes to Facebook and Instagram. <laughs> uh, it's always veterans starts out is his hashtag, and uh, I I love it. I I, I love it, and uh, he's a great dude. Yeah, he's a, he's a cool cat, and uh, um, yeah, I mean, we've said it multiple times, but definitely check out his photography and stuff. It, you will not be disappointed. Not a chance. Not a chance at all. You will not be disappointed. So, Cam, I, you know, it's, it's pretty rough right now. Um, I'm not real sure what to think. You know, I, I'm over here. I'm going through the motions. I've got a checklist. I've got a calendar. I got told today to take my calendar and shred it. <laughs> That's probably a good idea. I actually, I this is really bad, but I went over to my parents' house for a little bit today with Jet, and uh, I actually did legitimately didn't know what day it was. Well, you got serious issues for that, but nonetheless, <laughs> um, I, I thought it was Saturday. Like, yeah, for real. Not, I, I am, um, dude, I'm really concerned. I, and I mean, from the standpoint, we've got people out here, uh, businesses, marketing companies, we're all just dying to get back after it. But at the same time, it's like people are living in fear. Some of the things that I'm hearing or I read, I, I kid you not, I at one point today, after the person told me to shred my calendar, I something popped up in my Twitter feed, and I just had to throw my phone down and walk away from it for like four hours. I just did not want to listen or read any more of the nonsense, and it's, I don't know. I, I, it's like I'm I'm getting down on humanity. I, I think that's really what it is. When you got Fortune 500 companies out here taking bailouts from small businesses, and you know, uh, hashtag Ruth Chris Steakhouse. If any of our listeners ever step foot in a Ruth Chris Steakhouse, 
it, not that you really care that you're dead to me, but seriously, you're dead <laughs> to me. I, I just, you know, but huge shout out to what is it? The Shake Shack. How about their crisis management PR department? They, somebody in the boardroom said, hey, let's give this $10 million back so some businesses can use it. High five to you, dude. I, I've never seen yeah, a Shake Shack, yeah. but, you know, I don't know where they're at. I didn't read that, but that was cool. Is that a West Coast thing? What's shake a shake, Shack? What's a Shake Shack? I've never been to one. I've seen them around. I've never been. I, again, I can't have dairy. So if it's if if it is like a milkshake, I'm not your guy. So before I go down that road on finishing on the Shake Shack, uh, let's I, I keep forgetting that you're lactose intolerant. We're going to add that to the checklist. You do puzzles. <laughs> you're an online auto body teacher and you're lactose intolerant. <laughs> Does anybody need any three more things to just start throwing red flags on the play? I mean, what in the hell, dude? And you buried a Canuck for the love of God. I did. I did. Ball four. <laughs> hey, if if we are throwing shade, you know who my next you know who my next guest is going to be on this oh, show that oh, I'm going to recruit. I, I want to hear this nonsense. Yeah. So you you said you said it a couple times. And uh, I always laugh every time you say it, but I really got a chuckle when you were talking about how you were living in your owner's motorhome. It's um, like the Taj Mahal. And you always reference JB as your owner. Um, I would like to get JB Strasweg on the show so um, we can discuss what it's like to own Don O'Neill. I really would like to know what it's like to have Don O'Neill. Hey, that's in your, fine. Uh, back hey, pocket. You, just, you just remember there, big boy. <laughs> That's fine. You can call up my owner. I don't, that's fine. I just love. I call my owner. Well, he, I mean, he he owns it. Look, he owns no, it. Should I drive? I what the hell? I know it's just funny. Hey, I don't know what you're talking just, about. I, your wife's your owner, bitch. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> this is also true, but you know, I just I'm just curious what it's like to to own Don O'Neill. Dude, look, I just want to know. I can promise you this. All right. So when when JB's phone goes off and, and I it's my ringtone, I guarantee you that the little hairs He's on saying, the top of it, <laughs> yep, the little hairs on the top of his head go. Psh. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, the, what now? What the hell is he spending money on now? <laughs> first, nice. first, first text message is no. <laughs> Regardless, no. It's already queued up. Yeah, it's already queued, queued up. up and no. Uh, no, no. What, what's Don want? No, <laughs> <laughs> not happening. Kind of like having a conversation with your wife. What, Cameron? No, yeah. nope. no, no. Go get Jet. He needs something. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for much. sure. Pretty much. Uh, all right. Well, dude, what are you doing this week? You're not working on race cars, obviously. Did you even drop your engine off yet? Yep. Yes. Uh, actually, he called me today, um, and he he sent he called. Well, he let me, let me back up. He's texted me and said, "I thought when you said you could hear a bearing spinning in your engine, I thought you were full of shit. But now, I have to say, I'm impressed." <laughs> So, and then he called me and I missed his call. So we don't know exactly how bad it is, but he has it taken apart. So we'll see. I'm just waiting on a phone call, but it doesn't sound like it's too, too bad. So 10, 10, baby, you, turn it. Yeah. So hopefully it won't be too bad. 10, 10, turn if we it. We got to put a crank in it. We'll, we'll put a crank in it. But problem is that crank's been in there for quite a while. So I can make a decision. Oh, come on, man. Turning it 10, 10. Oh, I'm not worried about doing that. I'm just more so concerned about the fact that the crank's been in there for, I don't know, a lot of rounds. All right, but so let, let, let's do the budget on this. So at the end of the season, your wife's going to realize that 632 is way bigger than a 565, okay? <laughs> I, I, I know she works in shipping and receiving, but the, these numbers don't. This one's greater than the other. 
All right. <laughs> so <laughs> that whole buying a new crank to put in a 565, dude, that's like having s'mores on a freaking 105 day, a degree day when you need to be drinking a margarita. It just don't make sense. S'more what? Oh. No, dude, but this motor, like it, it, it's that it's good. I don't want to mess with it. it I um that's right. You don't motor, you don't but, mess with it. You don't mess with it. Put ten ten and sell it to somebody else. <laughs> no, I keep it. I love that motor. That motor runs good, man. I I'm a Matt, my buddy that's that builds it. He uh, he's got a good combination in that motor. It runs pretty stout for only being a little five sixty five. I know that's everybody it. else goes eight ninety at eight million miles an hour now, um, but. The thing goes good. It goes 174. It's not bad for 565. Tell, 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 your, heads. tell your engine builder, Matt, here's his opportunity to make some more money because Angie wants a motor that goes faster. Yeah, well. Yeah, well. Yeah, well, what? I'm a teacher. You forget. So you, you, know, teach, auto, you teach auto body thing. online. You do puzzles and you're lactose intolerant. Be a man, get at a six thirty two at Cheetos College. <laughs> oh, I, I forget what did you see? Somebody who was it? They they sent me a picture. They were at a, they were at a truck stop, and there was a Cheetos eighteen wheeler. <laughs> oh, I did not see that, but that person should totally get a t shirt. Uh, uh, yeah, I forget who it was, but it was awesome. They're like for some, there was, it was a cool caption too. Like for some reason, I just. I'm thinking of you. It was a picture of Chester Cheeto on the side of a headed. It's headed to Huntington Beach. (laughs) That's right. And the shit part is, I can't even really have Cheetos because I'm allergic to cheese. It's bullshit, dude. Seriously, Cheetos does not have real cheese. Do you look at the bag again? For our folks keeping score at home, our lactose puzzle playing online (laughs) auto body teaching at Cheetos College thinks that Cheetos has real cheese. Hey, you know, is that the is that real chickens and chicken of the sea tuna? (laughs) (laughs) All right, Jessica Simpson. (laughs) Yes, everybody knows that meme. Oh man! All right. Well, look, I got to give quick belated. By the time this drops, uh, happy belated birthday to one of our sponsors, Doug Cook MotionRaceWorks dot com. If you're not following Motion Raceworks and what he's doing over on Instagram and Facebook, I, I don't know what to tell you. It, it was a pretty moving story this week. Four years ago, he walked out of a great paying job and set off in his own direction, which is now Motion Raceworks. So go over, give Doug and his team a shout out. And uh, again, huge thank you to all the folks this week. I saw Lance at LB Trailers had like four people show up over the weekend, traveled from all over the country buying trailers. Uh, so kudos to that. Thank you very much, guys, for supporting LB Trailer Sales. And Cam, yep. dude, I'm I'm. If you don't hear from me next week, it's because I died from the coronavirus in the big town of Chicago. Joe O, I'm coming to see you, brother. We're going on the Hub Dino <laughs> this weekend. I am so oh pumped. Oh my God, I'm pumped. Nice. Well, I hope to see a TikTok video of you going from your fire suit to your hazmat suit. Oh, no. I'm I'm wearing my... Hey, I am wearing my Dash 50... Wait a minute. Did you see my video of me wearing my helmet to go to Zaxby's the other day? <laughs> yeah, I did. Uh, dude, I, I, cannot, did. I cannot wait to get my fire suit on and climb in the car at Hyperactive and spin some wheels, man, on Friday. It's going to be my make noise Friday. Is that like Friday. sitting in your car all suited up making race car noises, but dude, just oh, the wheels are oh, actually spinning? Dude, we're going to be making some serious race car noises. Make noise Friday is going to be legit this week. So <laughs> if you missed out on it, tune back in. If this is Saturday and you're listening Tune back into Friday on my social media feed. You're going to see Make Noise Friday, and it's going to be large, large, my friend, large. 
Oh, God. This is is falling off the rails quickly. (laughs) It's falling off. Cam, take us home. Listeners, thank you all for coming in. We appreciate you. Stay safe, and a racetrack is in our future. Yes. uh, Hopefully, we'll be back in action someday, one day, so that way we can see Don's owner again and uh, have some cocktails with uh, Don's owner. And uh, we... uh, you know, just like he said, thanks to uh, Motion Raceworks, LB Trailer Sales, Performance Data Systems, Voice America for uh, the production, and, you know, our production crew, Brian and JT. We appreciate uh, you guys still listening, and I know there's a lot of uh, podcasts and things out there these days, and uh, we appreciate all the continued success and support of the show. On that note, see you in the funny pages. Later. See ya.